Okay, uh, Romans chapter 3, and uh, we'll go to start in verse 9. Uh, he just got done talking about the, um, the fact that some were saying about him that he was saying that, that let's, let's do evil so that grace can abound because Paul would focus so much on the grace of God and the fact that God's abundance of mercy and love is shown to us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. Um, the, the forgiveness that we have, uh, the fact that even though there's all kinds of sin that's involved in our lives, that he can set us free. And, and some people were saying of Paul, he's saying, well, you're just saying, go and do evil so that grace can be abound and so that God can be glorified. And Paul's like, no, that's not what we're saying. and uh, the, That's not what it's all about. And so verse 9, he's kind of continuing with that thought. It says, um, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are all under sin, as it is written. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one that understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no one, no fear of God before their eyes. And so he goes and he says, what's the conclusion then? Is there any, um, are we any better off? And he's, and he's dealing with, uh, the Jewish people and the Jewish understanding, he says, are we under better off? And then he says, no way. Um, we're all just like everybody else. We're all um, guilty. We're all unrighteous. There's not one uh, that's seeking God. And it's interesting here because if you don't follow the chain of thought of what Paul's saying, you can miss what's happening. Because if you remember in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, what advantage then is there being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? And he says, much in every way. So in one place he said, there's a bunch of advantage of being a Jew. And then here he's saying, there's no advantage in being a Jew. And you go, well, how does this all balance out? He said, well, the Jewish people had the benefit of having the word of God. Uh, the Jewish people had the benefit of having the, the traditions and the practices and the the festivals and the, all the different things that God established, the holy days uh, that they could celebrate and, and worship God. And, and the Jewish people had all these things uh, that were of a benefit and, a, and an opportunity for them to be close to God. But by rejecting God, they're just like everybody else in that they're all guilty. And the, the concept that's kind of been flowing through here is to much, whom much is given, much is required. To whom little is given, little is required. And so the, the ultimate result is, even though they had these advantages, they rejected God, they didn't serve God, and so there's none righteous. No, not one. And when he's saying here, Paul's saying there's none righteous, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, and he's having a very strong focus on the Jewish people because, uh, remember, they were the ones that, when Jesus came, didn't think they needed any healing, didn't think they needed uh, any forgiveness, didn't think they needed any freedom. Jesus talked about 
uh, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the Jews were like, well, we're not, we're not in bondage to anybody. We don't need any freedom. And he's like, yeah, you're in bondage to sin. You're in bondage to uh, all these things around you. You've rejected the word of God. You've rejected the law of God. As a matter of fact, you've let your traditions override the word of God. He said, you know, you're supposed to honor your parents but you've got this tradition where if you say, oh, what I normally would have given to my parents, I now give as a gift to God, and then you're, then you're free from that. And he's like, your, your traditions are, are doing away with the very words of God. Uh, and so the ultimate result is none righteous. Uh, no, not one. Uh, isn't that great? Hey, we're all guilty. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> There's none righteous. No, not one. Uh, we probably better not leave it there, huh? Let's go a little deeper. <laughs> Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And he says, you know, the, the law that is there, the law that we have, and, and he'll go into to more depth than that. As we have the law, that's where we find out how guilty we are. Um, the law is given, and, and the law is there for, he says, for those that are under the law. Um, you know, laws are passed for um, good reason. Laws are good things, right? Uh, laws are important things. Laws, laws are very handy things to have, uh, or think of rules. Rules are good things to have. We have guidelines. We have ways of knowing uh, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And... Technically, a law should be there to punish the unjust. Now, in our country, we've become a place where good has become called evil, and evil has been called good, and the laws tend to protect the unjust instead of the just, and, and we have a mess in our country, and that's why we're reaping uh, so much of that lawlessness just all around us uh, in society. But the reality of what laws are really supposed to be is to punish the, the unjust. And uh, when the law is there, unfortunately, what sin does and what the unrighteous uh, tendencies that we have in our lives tends to go and break the laws. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll talk about, they'll have some kind of, uh, they'll have a shooting and they'll have something happen. They'll say, well, we need more laws uh, against guns. We need more laws uh, to protect people. And it's like the person that did those things broke all these laws already. They're not worried about laws. Criminals are not affected by laws because criminals break laws. And so you can make more laws, they'll break them. Uh, it's just going to be that way. Um, verse uh, 20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of sin. And so as he starts looking at the law and he's talking about the law that, that we have, and, and, you know, I keep saying the word law because that's, that's what he's saying in here, but think of the word of God. Uh, think of it that way. Think of God's um, scripture, um, the teachings of the scripture, uh, the teachings of the, of the word of God, the principles that are in the word of God. Um, as those are there and as the law comes and we think of the Ten Commandments of Moses and the laws that were there at that time it says when they came it made us conscious of sin um, and so as the law came and as those 
words were decreed, because you think about it, up until the time of Moses, they didn't have that, the Ten Commandments, they didn't have a written law down. Um, you, you think of Adam and Eve and their children. They didn't have a law that said you shouldn't murder. It was wrong. They should have known in their in their hearts and uh, in their conscience should have borne witness that it was wrong. Um, and and yet Cain went and killed Abel. But the law brought this consciousness of sin. Verse twenty one. He says, "But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe." There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so, you know, he's dealing with the law, and he's going to go more in depth on how the law brought this consciousness of sin. But he says, so the law was there, it made us aware of sin. If we want to know if we're righteous or not, if we want to know if we have sin in our lives, we can look to the law. Um, you know, Jesus really helped us out with that by clarifying. He said, you know, the law said don't murder, but I'm telling you, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. And we all go, oh, I'm guilty of being a murderer because there's been times I've hated someone in my life. Uh, you know, and he, he talked about, you know, if you lust at a, after a woman uh, in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And the men would all go, well, we've all committed adultery. Sorry, men, but we know you're guilty. <laughs> We're guilty. Um, and, and so as we have the law and we have that consciousness of sin, then he goes and he, he kind of gets that good news in there. There's a righteousness that comes from God that's apart from the law. And, and, and the big theme here that he's dealing with and the big point that he's making is that we're all unrighteous because we do not fulfill the law. If we're guilty of, if we break one law, we're guilty of the whole law. Uh, we become condemned by, by the whole law. But this righteousness that comes is a righteousness that comes by faith. Uh, it's a righteousness that, um, in verse uh, 22, it's this righteousness that comes from God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's to all who believe. And he says that there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God can sound like a, a negative thing, and it can be, oh, oh, woe's me, we're all guilty. Yes, we're all guilty. But the positive thing is, there is a righteousness that comes by faith to all who believe. And it, there's no difference. There's not Jew, there's not Greek, there's not free, there's not slave, there's not male, there's not female. We are all come to God as sinners, and by faith accept the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection. And His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all the guilt, all the laws we broke, all the, the judgment that should be upon us, we're set free. Praise God for that. Uh, and it's a righteousness that comes by faith. And there's no difference. It doesn't matter um, who you are. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your traditions are or how you were raised. There's no difference. We're all guilty and we all freely have this grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. Uh, in verse 25, God presented Him, talking about Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And so here we have the sin, we have the, the breaking of the law, you have the Jewish people rejecting God so much throughout their history, uh, uh, turning away from God, turning to other gods, uh, changing God's character, changing who God is, making God into their own image, uh, all this rejection. And you have all this guilt and all this judgment that should come, and yet God's patience in waiting. But then the judgment came, but the judgment came on Jesus. The, the punishment came on Jesus. And when Jesus went and carried his cross, and he went and suffered and died for our sins, he was facing the judgment that we deserve. Uh, he went through hell for us. He went through suffering for us. He went through death for us. He shed his blood for us because it should have been our blood. It should have been our suffering. It should have been the judgment that came upon us. But instead, it came upon Jesus. And we have that atonement that comes from him. Uh, and in that present time, at the fullness of time, he came at just the right time, at the time that God said and he died for our sins. Thank God for that. Amen? Amen. That's good news. That's good news. And and then Paul goes and puts us all in our place, as, as well he should, verse 27. He says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded on one principle, on that of observing the law. No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. And he says, okay, so now that you're saved, now that you have a relationship with God, now that you can are a child of God and you are uh, joint heirs with Christ and you're part of the kingdom of God, where is your rejoicing? Where is your boasting? Where is your uh, praise for what you did? Is it because you observed the law? No, it's because of faith in Jesus Christ. It's excluded. Uh, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's not of works of righteousness that we have done. So there is no boasting on our part. It's not getting to this point of saying, oh, we were so holy, we were so good. And again, you know, the strong part of the audience that Paul's dealing with is the Jewish people. And they were very good at being righteous, quote-unquote. They were very good at following different rules and regulations and laws. Of course, they changed God's laws. They followed their traditions rather than God's laws. And they would fast twice a week. They would tithe their mint and aloe. They would pray long prayers in the marketplace. They would, they would blow trumpets and show that they were going to give. And they were giving into the temple. And oh, they were so righteous, so holy, so special. And it's like, no, it's not about those things. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. It's about His death, burial, and resurrection. It's about His blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And boasting is excluded. Uh, it's a righteousness that comes only by faith and not by the law. Um, verse uh, 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. In verse 29. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. 
Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. And so then some might go and say, well, Paul, you're trying to just do away with the law. You're saying that the law has no value, uh, that, that you know the law is just worthless, or the law is sin, or, or that there's no reason for the law. And he's like, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, the fact that we have this salvation that comes by faith does not do away with the law, but it upholds the law. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. The law is fulfilled in our faith uh, of Jesus, in that relationship that we have, that salvation that comes by faith. Then the law is fulfilled through that because the punishment is still there. The judgment is still there. But Jesus is the one that took the judgment. Jesus is the one that took the punishment. Jesus is the one that shed his blood. Jesus is the one that paid the price for our sin. And so the law was not done away with, but the law is fulfilled in him. And then as we accept him as our Savior, and as we accept the righteousness that comes from following him and from serving him, now then, we can walk in a righteousness in our life. We can be set free from that law of sin and death, and we can see a righteousness and a fulfillment then of the law in our lives. And things that we struggled with before, things that held us in bondage before, we're set free from because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're not a slave to sin any longer, but we're a slave to God. Uh, we're a bond servant, if you prefer that term. But Paul uses the term slave in many of these cases. I'll pause for a second see if anybody has anything. Covered a lot of ground. So. <laughs> Going into chapter 4. So he ends with upholding the law. Chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, discovered in the matter. If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so now he's going to go all the way back to Abraham because, you know, the Jews definitely saw Abraham as their forefathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God that they worship. And he says, What about Abraham? Was Abraham justified because of his works? And he says, no. no. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness before he was circumcised, before the covenant of circumcision. Because remember, this is one of those issues that's very strong in the early church and one of the fights they had. Well, what about circumcision? Is circumcision so important? And now that a Gentile gets saved, now they need to be circumcised. And they tried to make Gentiles into Jews after they got saved. And he's like, no, 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 no. Everything is in Christ and the circumcision needs to be a circumcision of the heart. And it's one God. There's not, uh, you know, a God of the Jews and a God of the Gentiles. This is one God. And the beauty is that God is making of two groups of people, the Jews, the promised ones, the ones that have this 
covenant uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Gentiles, those that are separated from the Jewish people. He's making of those two one man, uh, making of those two one uh, people that God wants to be their God and he wants them to be their people. It's, it's an amazing thing uh, to, to see what God's doing. And, and it was hard for some of the Jewish people to accept. Uh, you know, they had thousands of years of tradition. They had thousands of years of, of, of teachings and, and misunderstandings and confusions about everything about what God was all about. And it, as Gentiles are getting saved and they're like, well, this is just, it was hard. It was hard to accept. Um, going on in verse 4 then. Now when a man works, his wages are, credited to him, are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. And, yeah, I guess I'll go on to verse 6, 7, 8. Uh, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of a man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord will never count against him. And here he says, you know, when you work, when you do a job, what you reap from that job, it's, it's an obligation. It's, it's what you get. Um, you know, you go out and cut hay and you bale hay and you get a bunch of hay. <laughs> you, you raise cows and they, they have calves and most of them made it, one didn't, but you know, and you get calves. You know, the, the work that you're doing, you're going to get a reward from it. You're going to get uh, a payment for the work that you do. And God's not mocked. We all will reap what we sow. Uh, if we're sowing to our flesh, we're going to reap things from the flesh. If we're sowing to the Spirit, we're going to reap things from the Spirit. But he says, but here's something that's amazing. What about a man that doesn't work, but still receives righteousness by faith? And that's the good news that we have. That's, that's the too good to be true news that we have. There's nothing that we do to earn salvation. There's nothing that we do to receive eternal life. There's nothing that we do... Uh, to earn, be counted worthy of this relationship with God except by having faith. And it's by faith in Jesus, and it's faith in Him being the way, the truth, and the life. It's faith in Him being the door that enters in. It's faith in Him being that intercessor that ever intercedes for, for us. It's faith in Him as being our atoning sacrifice. And as we have that faith, we receive righteousness freely. Uh, what an amazing thing to think about. Think of how blessed we are to be counted worthy to have our sins forgiven because of Jesus, uh, because of faith in Him. Uh, verse 9. This is the blessedness only for the circumcised, or is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. And so here's 
Abraham, before he was circumcised, before he had that covenant with God, and that's something maybe we can study at some time, the covenant that God made with him and the, the circumcision that he had. But before that, he believed God. It was credited to him for righteousness. And so he is the father of all who follow Jesus. He is the father of all who believe in him. He is the father of all who trust in God and have a righteousness that comes by faith. And in the same way he received faith, uh, he received righteousness that came by faith, we do as well. And the circumcision then that we have is the circumcision of the heart. And uh, one of the outward signs that we would do in the New Testament church that would be similar to the outward sign of circumcision that they had would be water baptism. Where in water baptism we are saying we are dying to our old way of life and we are raising anew. We are shedding that sinful side of us. We are shedding that, that sinful life and walking up anew. Um, but there's no need for adults that give their heart to the Lord to be circumcised. Praise God for that. Amen. Um, verse uh, 12. And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise, and he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by the law are heirs, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. And, and he's just kind of tying it all up here and saying, listen, the, the whole idea of righteousness, the whole idea of the law, the whole idea of the promises that God has, it's all about faith. And because Abraham believed God, it was credited him for righteousness. As a matter of fact, we'll see as we go on that the blessing was going to be to Abraham and to his seed. And it was a singular seed, not seeds, but seed, who is Jesus. And by having faith in Jesus, then we are able to be partakers of that promise. We are able to be partakers uh, of the gifts of God. We are able to be partakers of the righteousness of God. We are able to be partakers of a circumcision that is a circumcision of the heart and not a physical circumcision. And uh, when there is a law, or when there is no law, there's no transgression. Um, if there is no law that says you can't do that, uh, there's no speed limit law. You go on, I don't know, is the Audubon still not have a law for speed? I don't know. You go on some road that doesn't have a speed law, whatever speed you're going, it's legal because there is no law. But as soon as they post a law and they say, okay, this is the maximum speed, this is the minimum speed, and you go below that speed or you go above that speed, now you're breaking the law. Now there's transgression. And the ultimate thing that the law did when it came, and we'll go into this more deeper in the days to come, is the law kind of freed up or brought forth more transgression. As a matter of fact, sin became more sinful when the law arrived. Uh, the law, uh, sin seized an opportunity as the law came and started to just take advantage and, and do corruption. I think of, you know, criminals when they pass a new law, uh, or uh, 
especially people that like to get around taxes and tax laws. They pass a new tax law, what's the first thing they do? They look for their way to get around this law and how do I maneuver and how, do I, how can I break this law without getting caught? How can I break this law without breaking the law? I'll find some loopholes is what they call them and stuff. Uh, and, and that's what happens in our life and that's what happened in the world when, when God brought the law is, is sin seized the opportunity and became more sinful and, and, and found ways to be, uh, bring us deeper into bondage. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham. And first of all, that promise that comes by faith, one of the reasons that it's by faith is so that it'll be by grace. It's by the grace of God. It's it's totally about the mercy of God. It's about receiving what we don't deserve. Uh, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. The, the freedom, the, the forgiveness, the, the love that God shows for us, even though we don't deserve it, it's, it's amazing. And then the fact that because it's by faith, there's a guarantee that all of Abraham's offspring can receive it. Not just those that are descendants of Abraham by the law, that are descendants of Abraham by, by birth, but also those who are descendants of Abraham by faith. And, and I think of Jesus when he was dealing with the Jewish people and they were rejecting what he was saying and Jesus got to the point where he said, you know what, your father is the devil because you want to kill me and if you were really children of Abraham, then you would believe me. Because that's the true children of Abraham are those that are going to put their faith in the Messiah. Those that are going to put their faith in Jesus. Those that are going to accept Him and accept the righteousness that comes by faith. And not try to do a righteousness that is by works. Uh, and praise God that we can be counted worthy of being part of that. Hallelujah. Um, and I think the, the next section I want to wait till next time to go into because... There's a lot there. Um, so I, I'm going to close here. Does anybody have anything you wanted to share? Yes, Sylvia. Sue's doing well. Good. So she just wanted to say hi to everybody at the church. She said she misses you guys. And if y'all can come visit us, she said she would love that. Cool. So. Awesome. So the, the, I think one of the strongest things that we had today is, you know, just the idea of that righteousness that comes by faith. Through, so throughout this week, as you go through the week, thank God for that righteousness that comes by faith. Thank God that you didn't have to work to earn your salvation. Thank God for that death, burial, and resurrection for Jesus. And find ways that you can, you know, share that love with others, share that freedom with others, share that uh, ability to, to accept Christ uh, by faith and accept the righteousness that comes by faith alone and not of works. And I think that'll help us in dealing with other people too and in uh, our relationships with others. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and I thank you for sending your Son down to die for our sins. I thank you, Jesus, for your death, burial, and resurrection. I thank you for uh, righteousness that comes by faith. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing in our lives to help us to walk in a way that is uh, pleasing to you and in service to you. And as we have that righteousness that comes by faith, we can then live it out in our lives. Help us this week to just 
walk in a thankfulness and a rejoicing in, in all that you have done for us and the salvation that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.